0: Welcome to yet another episode of the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. Uh, I almost forgot the name of our own podcast. Uh, I'm Joe and uh, uh, with me today, as per always, from an undisclosed location.
1: Yeah, the Jesse Ventura location.
0: That's right. Uh, Now, this is the first time we've been doing the show for almost two years. We have almost 100 episodes under our belt. This is the first time that we have ever recorded remotely. Uh, because you are forcefully quarantined.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> I love it.
0: Uh, it sounds like
1: fucking hell on earth. I don't mean to laugh. Like, No, it, I, it's I, honestly a funny situation.
0: And I, re- the, I would not be laughing if you didn't call me yesterday when we were getting ready to actually record this, which had to be postponed, obviously. Uh, and you were like giggling to yourself and like. I understand that like literally tens of thousands of people around the globe are suffering a horrible pandemic and people have died. Yes, we know uh, that shit sucks. It's horrible. I wish governments could get off their ass and provide the health care to people that they need it. But the show, uh, one of the things we do is we talk about serious things. We try to bring levity to them. Uh, and that thank you, Nick. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to do a bonus episode where we talk about you in quarantine, how that whole thing happened. Uh, But, you know, if we make any jokes about being locked in a small room for 14 days, just know we're trying to make light of an incredibly dark situation. Right. Um, which is I mean, we're about to talk about like thousands of people dying. Like if anybody's upset about this, like we're you you must be fucking new here. But you shouldn't be new here because this is uh the French invasion of Russia part three. Yeah, it's episode three. Yeah, so why are you on episode go back, listen to episode one and two, donate to the Patreon, and then you can be upset about us making fun of pandemics. Um that's that's what we call gatekeeping. Money talks. Yeah, uh, uh but also does not listen. Uh, True. now <laughs> when when we left you last week uh we were talking about how napoleon had committed to war against russia uh for reasons that really don't make a whole lot of sense to anybody whose brain isn't like i don't know diseased by 1800s syphilis and uh so deluded they made themselves an emperor it doesn't Black. make a whole lot of syphilis it's <laughs> just mainlining it right up his fucking veins um I don't think Napoleon had syphilis. That is uh that is that is a bit. Uh I I Are you I, like, slandering kinda, Napoleon? I kinda wish it said like Nick is locked in an undisclosed location. I wish that was a bit. It's not. But syphilis. Honestly- syphilis is a bit. <laughs> uh so the the last episode we we really just focused on um the outlines of the armies would be fighting each other, so we wouldn't have to do it later. This one, we're going to talk about how the war kind of unfolded. Is this a
1: tobacco-free zone? Can I dip? Uh, The podcast? Yeah. Or or your fucking jail cell? Well, my jail cell is my jail cell. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, can I'll talk I about the podcast in general.
0: You always dipped in the podcast in the recording studio. All right,
1: just making sure. <laughs> Nothing's and, changed.
0: And, and like every soldier I ever knew who dipped would leave their dip bottles behind.
1: I would, I would actually clean mine up. I would take it with me.
0: I mean, it, it's fine because they would intermingle with the like dozens of empty beer cans that we have on the desk at any given time.
1: Oh, they yeah. Just blend together.
0: Um, now, this episode, we're going to talk about Napoleon's Grand Army's march into Russia. Uh, but first, it had to kind of like form Finally. itself together. I know, even waiting for this for weeks. Uh, yeah, they kind of had to for, uh, like form itself together from all the various client states and France and all that as they marched through Germany and Poland. Um, it, they had a tendency to kind of create uh, uh, like an international traffic jam. Like the roads that they have in these places obviously are not interstates. They're probably awful it's like a single dirt track that's kind of flat that you drive a fucking wagon down. I mean, cobblestone roads are a thing, um, stuff like that, but like they are absolutely not built to handle tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people all at once. So all of this would, um, slow everything down. And speed, as we talked about before, and La Mara and all that other shit, speed is of the essence here. Uh, uh now, what is it, uh, if, now, if you, you are a, a sergeant in the army, before you, say, uh, march from one point to another, there's something that's pretty important, right? Like, what are you doing? Where am I going? Yeah, like, where, what's
1: my destination?
0: What's uh, what my route? I, now, what if I told you that uh, no, almost nobody in the French army knew what they were doing? They didn't even know where they were going. <laughs> Go
1: that way.
0: Yeah, uh, turn east. <laughs> now obviously like Napoleon and his marshals knew that they were marching off to invade Russia but like even people that like at the height of like general did not know that they were invading Russia
1: so so people that should know
0: yeah um, like and soldiers definitely had no idea Um, and now remember that Napoleon is fighting a war in Spain at the time and a lot of people thought they were marching in that direction to get to a Baltic port where they would be loaded upon ships and then transported to Spain
1: well, have you ever closed your eyes and then, uh, it, while in a car, and you could tell where they're going? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, I think that's what they're they're feeling right now.
0: I think this is more like: Have you ever been really tired and you fall asleep for just a millisecond? And you're not really sure how you got to where you ended up. I think it's more like that every day. <laughs>
1: well, yeah, sure.
0: Uh, not anymore. It- every day. Yeah, we, uh, we, we do not condone safe driving on this podcast. We actually uh, hope everybody gets really, really tired behind the wheel and becomes a danger to everybody around them. Uh, other people thought that, like, remember how we talked about how um, Napoleon kind of lied to Alex and said, hey, we're going to join forces and we're going to invade India and, and stick it to the Brits. Well, some people thought that they were actually doing that rather than like Russia is our enemy now. Uh, it, it, there was a very, very small amount of people that knew that they were invading Russia.
1: Really? Uh, so I, the, I would hope generals no, would know.
0: You would think that, but a lot of people were left out of the loop to include generals. Um, oh. cause, cause remember this is like, uh, this whole army is dependent on Napoleon, right? Right. Like, he, he doesn't really think that they need to know certain things because th- in reality they didn't, they kind of sucked at their job. um, And I mean, this isn't like an operational security thing. Like OPSEC isn't generally a thing uh, other than like marching routes and stuff like that. Like the general idea of we're being invaded is not a secret. Everybody knew at this point. Uh, They weren't sneaking up on anybody with a half a million
1: people. No, that sounds incredibly hard.
0: Yeah, uh, it it sounds like something that would be impossible to do in
1: 2020. Uh, I have a hard time sneaking up on people. I have big feet. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah this is just a whole army of stomping ass feet nicks um, now if all this wasn't bad enough and it was pretty bad Napoleon went on to make it worse uh, it, there, there's a few uh, beginner steps that you need to take in order to uh, plan a war like you need to shore up your allies you need to make sure that people aren't going to jump into the war on Russia is there side. A, we-
1: to start a war for dummies kind of you book know, guide
0: you know, if there was one, you feel like it'd be written by Napoleon because he's starting a lot of them. Uh, uh, now,
1: more like defense.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, it's kinetic defensive wars. Uh, yeah, you know he he. Yeah, you know, there's certain things you want to do. You want to talk to, uh, like maybe Sweden. You want to talk to Austria. You want to talk to all these powers. Like, hey, you're joining the shit on my side. Napoleon did not do any of that. In fact, he did the opposite. Uh first uh under the pretext that they were not enforcing the continental system mm. he simply invaded a portion of Sweden. <laughs> now uh if you, yeah, that's why. <laughs> that's it. Uh now if you remember Sweden was a longtime French ally that Napoleon had purposely made sure that uh Bernadotte would be on the goddamn throne as crown prince. So they he would they'd kind of be like grafted to him as an ally cuz a Frenchman's on the throne. He invaded them.
1: I would do the same.
0: And uh, then Sweden, to the surprise of I'm assuming only Napoleon, went and signed a peace treaty with Russia rather than it, like, <laughs> saying, that, like, yep, we got your back. Like, fuck this. We're with Russia.
1: It kind of sucks. God. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, how bad do you have to suck for a Frenchman who I mean, granted, I, I know Bernadotte and Napoleon really didn't like each other, but he was still at that level because of his. Uh, his, his acquaintanceship with, like, Napoleon. But, like, this isn't, like, biting the hand that feeds you. he turned turn around and cut it off with a fucking broadsword. Right. Which, like, I mean, I, I don't blame Bernadotte for doing that at all. Uh, I mean, there's a reason why the House of Bernadotte is still the royal house of Sweden. He was smarter than fucking Napoleon.
1: I mean, he's still around. He's doing something right.
0: Yeah, I, I'm assuming it's actually still him. Uh, like, yeah, same like, dude. Like the, Like the God Emperor from Warhammer 40K, he is just like his throne is a life support system. Um, Now, there's another thing Uh, we we talked about Prussia uh, briefly, but it's important to remember, kind of dumb uh, for dumb reasons, that uh, pride and honor is super important to especially a martial nation like Prussia. Like the the the, the Prussian tradition of, of warfare and their hardcore militarist society is kind of what led to world war one and the unification you know, of the unification of germany and then world war one but it was also a thing in 1812 and prussia had been subjugated by napoleon and ever since then they've kind of felt like you know they've been besmirched and one of the things that they need to do to earn that honor back was go to war even if it was on the side of napoleon um and and, and fight with him so he that you know the prussians came to him and said look We understand what's happening. We would like to uh, contribute a large amount of troops.
1: Hey, we're really into war.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's Prussia. It's what they do. I mean, name one other thing that they're good for. Uh, I mean, Um,
1: exactly. Hold on. (laughs) Give me a second.
0: A lot can be said for Prussian society in that, it. I mean, unifying Germany is largely a good thing, I guess. uh, I suppose um, in a geopolitical sense, but like they're kind of bastards as well. But, you know, they wanted to gain their honor back. Like, you know, let us put, like, as many soldiers as we can in the, in the Grand Army to do that. Um, Napoleon actually refused. Uh, he only allowed them to take a tiny contingent of people. <laughs> uh, yeah, which is weird, because, like, in, like, two weeks, he's like, hmm, I really wish I had those 50,000 Prussians. I um, eh, don't need them. Now, this is considered a pretty big fucking insult. Um, so it, it actually caused an upswell of anti-French attitude uh, in Prussia, as well as Prussian nationalism. Like, we need to be as strong as we can. Fuck the French. We need to kick them out, uh, which actually forced Napoleon to divert forces away to quell this stuff. So he actively kicked himself in the balls because he didn't want more soldiers. And, like, historically, Prussian soldiers are some of the best in, in, in Europe. Yeah, yeah. He's like, nope, don't They're want them. fucking em. awesome. Yeah, um, and then another thing we've talked about Poland almost constantly uh, in the series, and we can continue doing that. Um, now, one of the main arguments that uh, France and Russia had was Poland
1: status. Uh,
0: and are they re- single?
1: Are they taken? Is it complicated? Do they
0: swing? Do they go both ways? I mean, they go. They definitely go between Germany and Russia. Oof. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> a genocide joke i guess uh our bad um but you know he didn't say you know what my goal is to restore the kingdom of poland or my goal is to make the grand duchy of warsaw as strong as possible he just didn't do
1: shit don't need to uh
0: which actually caused the polish national um then they not necessarily national smooth, but a national feeling to gravitate more towards Russia because they're like, well, shit, at least we know we're just Russian with them. Um, That's true. And they kind of I mean, and rightfully, they thought Napoleon was now untrustworthy. They're like the dude. Well, he's not shitting or getting off the pot. He's just kind of like not doing anything. In Fuck all that honestly, guy. He just
1: doesn't seem like a trustworthy guy.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's not, absolutely. Never trust Napoleon, Uh, not even if you're one of his soldiers, because he'll be like, you know what? I love you guys. I'll do everything I can to care for you. Oh, by the way,
1: march into that cannon, you fucking idiot. He would be the guy, if you're split-screening Halo, he would look at your screen.
0: Yeah, and then you're like, bro, you're screen-peeing. Like, no, I'm not. I just had an itch.
1: Yeah, what a dick.
0: Yeah, fuck that guy. He... If you're playing basketball...
1: But in all honesty, I would too. I would definitely screen like
0: I always screen peeked. Uh, if you're playing a pickup game of basketball with Napoleon, he's an elbow, you hold his hands up like, no foul, no foul. He's a fucking asshole. <laughs> uh, I also may have done that. Uh, but, you know, it, it's important because, you know, I've I've we've pointed out a few times that one of the points of the war was not to destroy Russia. It was to smack him around and get him in line. So he thought the restoration of Poland would gravely destabilize Russia. So he didn't want to do that. Um, but he, at the same time, he didn't want to give up the grand duchy. mean, meanwhile, like the Poles are in the middle of all this, us. So, like, well, somebody please just give us food. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's really dumb. Uh, I really agree. <laughs> I, I can't go into that anymore without uh, by, and may make it not sound dumber because it's, it's very, very stupid. Uh, another thing is that Russia and, you know, the, the, the imperial Russia fought almost like an endless string of wars against the Turks and the Ottoman Empire. They were in the middle of one right now. Um, and Napoleon thought that was cool and all. He's like, oh, cool. He's, they're fighting Turkey. That's good. Um, and he just assumed they would keep fighting uh, rather than like go to the Ottoman Sultan and be like, hey, look, just keep Russia engaged in a war. Uh, And we'll pay you or something like just
1: like keep them distracted. Do something. (laughs) Have like a Uh, little like tap dancing show in front of Russia.
0: Yeah, uh, because like if he he went to Turkey and asked them for a favor, he would have to do something he sucks at, which is treat them as an ally, treat them as an equal. He wasn't going to do that. So he's like, well, I'll just ignore them and I'm sure they'll just keep fighting. The problem was, is like Turkey was losing that war because remember, like uh, the Russians had. Pushed them back and then retreated right. because they couldn't afford an occupation. Russia don't force. got no money. Yeah. Uh, so, but like, the Tsar knew that war with France was coming. So, like, he quickly went to the Ottomans, like, yo, let's plus let's pros on this shit. And the and Ottomans, like, uh, yeah, sure. Okay, cool. We're losing. That let's easy? stop fighting. Yeah. <laughs> and so, the, the fuck, they ended the war. <laughs> nice. Uh, which allowed him to focus everything on the coming French invasion. Uh, now, uh, it, there's there's more to it than like napoleon just being an idiot uh there w- like the, napoleon and the ottomans were not friends the french and the turks were not friends they had no history of friendship um but like that whole saying the enemy of my enemy is my friend fucking exists for a reason and has for quite some time uh unless of course you are napoleon uh which in which case the enemy of my enemy is that guy i don't talk to
1: my um, enemy
0: also, I also must invade them now. Now, as we said in the last episode, Napoleon kind of crossed the Rubicon, so to speak, uh, meaning war was certain. Um, now, war requires concrete plans. That is, unless you are two people, the United States of America or the French Empire. Um, Napoleon knew he wanted to put Alex in his place in, a, in Russia in, in and uh, in a place of subjugation, but he wasn't really sure how to do it. Uh, so His plans just kind of changed every day. All while people were literally already marching to war. Plans changing
1: every day back then would suck.
0: Yeah. So absolutely nobody knew where they were going, uh, what they were doing, what their goals were. It was just Napoleon just spitballing stuff. Uh, But like, yeah, people like half a million people thereabouts are already marching towards war. From
1: the, the, the sea. No, the West. Uh, I want chicken Alfredo.
0: (laughs) quick invade england sir we are in poland uh invade spain i H- see like, now remember at one point he he wasn't this wasn't going to be a long war it was you know go in win a battle but like see look Yeah, be home by christmas you know Can we, the we, usual yeah yeah that that saying was definitely worded which means they're doomed um at one point he said his army would only go as far as minsk uh sapping the russian strength by having his army live in russia i mean having you know, hundred thousand or so people living in your backyard is kind of a drain on your resources
1: and living off the land in Russia would suck as well.
0: Yeah. I hope you can digest dirt and sadness, uh, which spoiler alert, they could not. Um, and then one day at like 3 a.m., uh, pretty much everybody was asleep except Napoleon and a couple of his aides that he made stay up with him. And he, he called everybody in for a meeting randomly and decided that, you know what? We might just have to invade Moscow though. He wasn't so sure. Like, it was just a suggestion. He's he wasn't like of those guys. Like he wasn't like, all right, guys, we're gonna have to go as far as Moscow. He called a meeting to say we might have to go as far as Moscow. And then, like you know, somebody's like, which one is it?
1: <laughs> this guy's doing the lines of coke, and everybody's just like, this guy's unstable.
0: <laughs> I mean, like between Minsk and Moscow is a fucking massive massive gap of, of, of area like you can't just like yeah we'll just go that way it's like hundreds and, and hundreds of kilometers and like or 1000s and like they don't have the supplies they don't have the logistics for that they're like uh you said three weeks and we're going to minsk uh but didn't matter we're doing that now he said what are and you said yeah uh well i said we're going to moscow can't go back now uh and then he started fucking with the poles again Now, he thought a Polish nationalist movement, as in like a unified effort to restore the kingdom of Poland, not the Grand Duchy bullshit, um, uh, that would like he would stoke the fires of that movement, but he wouldn't lead it himself. Like it wouldn't have explicit Napoleonic backing. He was trying to do a proxy war Um, and he was trying to weaken Russia by doing that. So he stuck his brother Jerome at the head of an army and sent him to Warsaw to do just that to be like, all right guys, we're all for Poland now, and for some like Jerome was supposed to be the king, uh, even though he was not polish, did not speak polish nothing don't um, need to no you really really don't um it turns out Jerome was a bit of a fucking idiot now, almost immediately the people of Warsaw began to really fucking hate Jerome and the soldiers he brought with him. His troops were German, not polish and 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 I think everybody listening to this show knows what Germans do when they're in Poland. uh and that is steal rape and pillage and murder wherever they went uh yeah and and like
1: the the, the commander of
0: these guys remember is meant to be the king, so like whoops
1: uh, so no, whose interest is he is he supposed to have the soldiers' interest the polish interest uh, i I don't know.
0: No, nobody knows. That's like the thing is like, well, these German soldiers are under French command. So we'll give them to Napoleon's brother that Napoleon's brother is supposed to have you know loyalty to France because, you know, he's Napoleon's brother. He's the emperor's brother. Uh, and they're going to go and tell the Poles, hey, I'm your king. But also we should probably ignore all the rape uh, that my soldiers are doing right now because they're not Polish because em- uh, enough of you didn't actually support me to do this
1: yeah see so it's okay, you know,
0: yeah, yeah, um now, if all that wasn't bad enough, and it's pretty bad, Napoleon arrived in the city of Poznan to inspect the stores like it was a it was a supply depot where soldiers were met to take supplies on the march. Uh, remember how important it was uh that his army could supply everything that the army would need while in Russia because Russia could not um well, it tunes out it turns out this fine tuned supply machine. It, uh, completely and totally went to shit. Had not even materialized. It had somehow, like he had all this shit on paper. He had all these people in charge. He had all, all he he wrote all of it. He commanded all of it. Um, but it never actually materialized. It never showed up. There, the wagons weren't there. The supplies weren't there. Nothing was there. Uh, Seems like
1: everybody we cover their supply is ass. That
0: yeah, uh, definitely in the past more uh, more so than the present. Because like at least an invading force now would be like, you know, we had all these supplies in place and it just turns out the, the enemy bombed them or something like these just didn't show up. The grand commissariat that he put together had really only been an invention on paper. Like it's like that episode of the Simpsons where uh, like Mr. Burns is drawing the spruce goose and Smithers is like, yes, it's a very nice plane, sir. And then Mr. Burns tells him to get in and it's a toy plane. He's like, Excuse me, sir. And he, pull, he pulls a gun out on him. He's like, get in. <laughs> Except it's Napoleon. Like, please have a loaf of bread. And he's just sitting in an empty room, like on a stool. And like, sir, there are, there is no bread. And he's like, eat the walls.
1: I said, I love bread. I bread. Yeah. Thank you for the bread, sir. Oh, it's delicious. delicious. I guess we're he's, on a diet. I'm so cold. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, Napoleon's it, that guy at a sleepover. Like, he goes to bed, <laughs> doesn't give his buddies a blanket or anything. <laughs> And then in the morning, he's like, well, they're in the closet.
0: I'm not going to go through your closet, Napoleon! <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, now, like, every single... There wasn't, like, one thing that failed. It wasn't like, oh, the flour supply spoiled or something. Like, every single aspect of the supply train had failed. There wasn't enough water. There wasn't enough food. There wasn't enough equipment. And then, remember, they're
1: not in Russia yet. Oh, so it's starting off bad.
0: Yeah. Uh, so the French army, without its imaginary supply train, returned to foraging. Which, in this situation, I mean horrible, horrible looting. They went back to La Mara. They, they like they're not doing the Napoleon system where they give people money. They're just like, nope, it's mine now.
1: You see, our supplies are bad. Here's an <laughs> IOU. Uh
0: can I please have your farm animals? Oh, well, we don't have any farm animals. Children are also
1: fine. Okay. Oh, <laughs> Children will work just <laughs> as good.
0: Please let me eat your shirt. Um now Remember how I said that that, even though this rampant looting was largely normal in war back then because armies moved pretty fast, they marched through, they took what they needed, and they left. They didn't stay there. They didn't stay there and, like, pillage and loot for months and months at a time. They were in and out, Uh, and that's fine. I used
1: to loot barracks rooms back in our old unit. Whenever I knew somebody was uh, leaving and they left, I'd go in their room.
0: Well, they'd always leave stuff behind. Yeah. Yeah. And like, now imagine that, except you stayed there for like a month and ate the drywall. Mm. <laughs> um, and, and now remember, like, the, so let's say the, the lead regiment goes into some Polish village. It's like, I'll take the wheat, I'm going to take the corn, take your goat, whatever, I'm going to leave. That's normally it, but there isn't just one regiment. There's hundreds of thousands of people.
1: Uh, so so many One people. goat would not do.
0: Like the system that they had in place that they relied on for so long, which was already horribly exploitive, would just turn into like a complete, absolute clusterfuck. And there, and also remember the traffic jam; they're not moving fast. So, the lead elements of the French army would move through an area. They'd eat whatever they want, which in Poland amounted to almost nothing because Poland was pretty hard off as it was. Um, it would, like at the time it wasn't uncommon for polish peasants to be so desperately poor and hungry they literally ate their own thatch roofs um so adding a hundred thousand people to that situation does not make it better
1: Do, uh, did you guys uh, try the roofs worse? yet
0: <laughs> fuck they already ate the walls too it's Just a, it's just a guy named peter sitting on a cement slab eat the cement uh and like also poland had one of the worst harvests in decades so like there's even less than normal to eat um so uh, the lead elements would eat their weight or whatever they could get, and then leave nothing behind. So like more elements of the army would come through, and there'd be nothing for them. Or you know, by the by the second wave of soldiers, they would get kind of desperate because they're hungry. So they're eating they're eating the things that already kind of aren't food, like you know shoes and roofs. The first soldiers leave behind a go fuck yourself. Uh, they they put up a, a whole bunch of corpses on the road that says get fucked god, god. damn it <laughs> like the and like so the second wave would come through they're already eating the things that you probably shouldn't and then by the third wave come through there's nothing And then the fourth wave has come through there's even less than nothing by the fifth wave come
1: through hey, the fourth wave goes hey guys this dirt tastes way better than the last <laughs> place
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean pretty much because they've they've gone through like six villages doing this so the guys in the back haven't eaten oh, in have fucking, fucking weeks eaten
1: so mad if i was in the fourth way
0: yeah it's like oh i hope pierre drops out so i can eat his fucking face uh so less and less like so all right they in essence had a trickle down economic system but for food and it didn't work um so less and less food trickled down and so by the time within the matter of weeks the french army is starving to death before it even gets to russia god and then they began to kind of accidentally, on purpose, poison their horses. Hat what? So I'm not a horse guy. Um, I'm not an equestrian. Uh, so uh, I had to look this up. They normally eat you know, grass, hay, whatever. Uh, it's too easy, right? They kind of feed themselves. You just kind of put them out in a field and they'll, they'll eat. Oh, that's uh, easy. Like it grows of the ground. This all seems very, very simple to me. Yeah, we should get a horse. Yeah,
1: uh, it's a lion's new horse.
0: Pa- new Patreon goal. Uh, we're going to start a one-man cavalry regiment. Uh, you know how terrible that horse would
1: be to keep inside the recording studio?
0: <laughs> it would be like the the fucking uh, Borat where there's just a, a half of a door and the horse is <laughs> sticking through. Uh, you know, so this would be how it normally is. The French cav- uh, cavalry soldiers would just throw their people out in the field. Uh, the, the horses would feed themselves. But the, the year had had a cold start which meant uh, the plants that were supposed to be growing, which would later be consumed by horses, were slow to grow. By the time they arrived, the only thing that the horses had to eat was sprouted, unripe oats and barley. Now, this had a twofold effect, both of them bad. One, having horses eat the sprouted oats, it destroyed a future harvest. So it pretty much doomed all the peasants to starve to death. Uh, but also, unripe barley and oats were poisonous to, ho- to horses. They, they can't yeah they they like poison their stomachs, cause them to blow up with colic like it cause it causes their stomachs to like rupture and explode uh so they so like okay, the men are starving, man, this couldn't get any worse, so the horses just start dropping left and right, and they're and everyone's like, oh God damn it, but on the bright side, you can now eat the horses right so so that's good. half our problems are solved for the day
1: can I eat the saddle? There's a whole <laughs> horse there, son. Can I would like the saddle? <laughs>
0: Can I eat the cavalry trooper? He doesn't have a horse anymore. Please, sir, I have a family. Not anymore you don't. Can I eat them as well? Yeah. Can I eat your family? Uh, Now, uh, one of the the things many of Napoleon's commanders were worried about was also the amount of young recruits. Because remember, like I said before, they're scraping the mob in the barrel uh, that were brought into the, the army younger men uh are and which actually is kind of accurate to this day are much more likely to die of disease uh, or the hard life of a soldier oh so
1: okay um it's not like i'm stuck in a room
0: <laughs> yeah uh, i'm sure you'll be fine uh, can i have your xbox when you when you die uh
1: i just need you to clear my
0: browser history if i die <laughs> <laughs> uh new patreon goal you give me ten dollars you get next browser history um now, uh, they, they wanted veterans, so they wanted people who were a little bit older. They weren't, you know, 16, 17 years old. Um, that that was a little bit more hardened to the horrible life that a soldier in the 1800s would have to live. Uh, but that meant that these young soldiers were dying in droves almost immediately. <laughs> um, they died much quicker from starvation. They died much quicker from disease. Um, also, they began to desert because they're like, wow, being in the army fucking blows. And then the ones that couldn't desert just shot themselves.
1: Where did they desert to while they were there?
0: I don't. They just ran off into the field somewhere. Um, like, Free
1: range of French soldiers.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm a traveler on the land. I don't even need. A- <laughs> uh, like it, it was so common at night to hear just single gunshots from soldiers killing themselves in the middle of the camp. <laughs> What's up? Uh, I mean, and it should be noted that the French army were, had had not resorted to cannibalism. So it's like, God damn, fuck you fucking go through his pockets via some bread. Um, like, it, it was pretty common for a, a line regiment to lose a full fifth of their manpower by the time they got to the Russian border.
1: Oh, God.
0: <laughs> uh, if that wasn't depressing enough, one soldier wrote, quote, I look forward to getting killed because I'm dying as I march. <laughs> like they had gone full on doomer like zoomer status in the 1812s, like fuck it I don't even care just kill me bro
1: that's I like my die. birthday when it comes up when I am like 80 years old and my family's singing to me and I just tell them I just hope I don't have another one <laughs> I don't want to make
0: 81 <laughs> yeah. like that's mo- that's the most soldier thing on earth I look forward to getting killed because I'm dying as I walk <laughs>
1: Uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) like that is so grim that even like an emo song like that's a bit much isn't it yeah (laughs) so this constant bleed of forces um applied just to simple operations too like people didn't have to die or get grievously wounded or shoot themselves for this impact army numbers uh as an army advances it has to secure certain roads uh depots um you know stores to store things at uh, areas to facilitate movement every unit in the entire army was doing this as they went uh, so that means that as an army advances it by definition only gets smaller and never gets larger but this is the 1800s organization and movement is far from coordinated like map reading still kind of uh, in its early stages uh, they, there's no navigation um if it's cloudy oh fuck i guess i really don't know where i'm going um it's kind of like when you try to run in, like, a battalion formation, regiment formation or something, and, like, one unit up front is slowing down, speeding up,
1: and it causes that ripple effect all the way down. Yeah, the accordion effect. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a half-million man. Then the unit in front eats everything, so the unit behind can't eat anything. Yeah, I hate those runs. <laughs> We've been running for
0: months! <laughs> Now, I use that movement um, analogy because that's kind of what they were doing as they advanced into Russia. And it got people really confused. uh, And, and, like, one person would, like, the gaps would get larger um, eventually. Like, one unit would be able to march way faster than the other one. Uh, Maybe they'd get a little bit too far away for one unit to see the other one anymore. And that's when, like, some people would just get lost and wander off in a different direction. Other people were like now seems like a really good chance to run away from the army and they would run off too. So every single day, weird shit like this is happening that caused the grand army to get
1: to small, not be so grand to
0: be la petite army.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, Napoleon was largely unaware of all of this, which I will imagine become they're
1: lying to him on the numbers. Uh, you nailed it perfectly.
0: Actually. Uh, now, he was, as we pointed out in the last episode, incredibly micro... He's a micromanaging dickhead. He's like the the worst manager on earth.
1: Oh, man. He um, called the formations and counted on his own.
0: He he probably did. Um, And that's why uh, he could only be a micromanager based on the information being given to him by his subordinates. And that's... Uh, one of the things was, is he was pretty well known for exploding on people when they told him things that he didn't like to hear. Like...
1: Like from Big, Big Big Trouble, Little China?
0: I haven't seen that movie.
1: Really? Yeah. Well, one of the villains blows up. So...
0: Yeah, Napoleon literally blew up, and that's the end of the series. Uh, he was uh, a Voltorb from Pokemon. I mean, after you attack him a couple times, he self-destructs. Uh, but, uh, like, so he would be, uh, like, beside himself with anger if you gave him a bad idea if you were stupid, but also if you told him something that he just didn't want to hear, like, Hey, like 10,000 of our soldiers are starving to death. Like he didn't want to hear that. So he would explode on you. He would demote people on the spot. He would ruin your career, ruin your life. So like people would just stop telling him stuff. (laughs) Uh, so I hear two of your regiments vanished last night. Nope, they're still there. They're totally nope, good. Yeah. Nothing, nothing bad happened. We call them our
1: ghost regiment. They're so good.
0: So even when the emperor demanded accurate numbers, like I need a company by company, uh, I need to count every single man in this army, he just wouldn't get them. He was surrounded by sycophants who would just tell them, yep, our regiments are totally fine. They didn't start a death dessert. Where's the other marshal? Uh, he didn't shoot himself last night. He's resting uh you know like and the and the numbers that Napoleon were getting that was getting was not just like a little inflated; they were like inflated up to fifty percent uh on paper, for instance, the Imperial Guard, which is like the premier regiment that he loved, uh was supposed to be fifty thousand people but they never numbered more than twenty five thousand the The Germans sent uh, almost fifty thousand less men than they said they would, and nobody had any idea
1: i mean it's kind of hard to see when they're all grouped up.
0: But, like, imagine, he's like, I need accurate numbers. And then, like, the German general's like, yeah, we totally brought those, you know, 150,000 people we talked about. Not really, though, sucker. Like, he was just...
1: Com- you I mean, just keep he- changing the subject?
0: Yeah, it's uh, kind of hot out today. And, uh, uh, Mit- Frederick, what about those numbers? Oh, uh, yeah, my wife really did leave
1: me. It's real sad. Yeah, and it's uh, actually pretty cold out.
0: <laughs> you know, like... And I understand that even in a modern army, uh, if your subordinates aren't giving you good information, you have literally no idea what's going on. Uh, But, you know, one of the main reasons they did that for Napoleon is because they were literally afraid of his outbursts of anger. Uh, Like, so, for instance, um, all this was happening. And sometimes, like I said, they didn't even have to get lost. They just never showed up in the first place. Napoleon had no idea the size of his own army. He thought he was invading Russia with north of half a million men, but he was actually around about 235,000 with another 50,000 civilians in tow. So he wasn't even close to the numbers he thought he had, but you know what, you know who was kind of close to the numbers, the Russians. Uh, So these are all relatively new discoveries in the field of history. Uh, At the time, people laughed at the backwards ass dumb Russian army whose intelligence thought that the French only had around 250,000 men in the field. Knowing what we know now, that means the Russians actually had more accurate understanding of Napoleon's army than Napoleon did. Wow. Um, and we know this because um, the, the officers who are passing bad numbers kept accurate, not, uh, accurate, real numbers for themselves. They just never told Napoleon.
1: Dad, they must have been sweating bullets.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, man, I hope he doesn't find my diary, bro.
1: I hope I sent out the right one. <laughs>
0: Now, uh, Napoleon had no idea his army was literally marching to death, but he did know he had a supply problem, which he decided uh, right then. He's like, hmm, this can't continue. The war can only go on for three weeks. Uh, That was once they crossed the Niman River into Russia. Um, And so from this point forward, we can only go three weeks. That quickly goes out the window pretty goddamn fast.
1: So they're not in Russia yet.
0: No, they're just crossing the Nyman River. So they're, they're holy shit. And at this point, tens of thousands of people are dead already. Um, as for the like rush shots, it's you know what? It's not going to end well and it will get much, much worse. And uh, let's just say they find a uh, a bad way to fill the hole in their in their diet. Uh, everybody, yeah, everybody knows i cannibalism, but we're not there yet. We're not there yet. As for the Russians, as the French crossed the river into the empire, they had literally no plans. Uh, because So a lot of people um, frame this war as, ah, the Russians were genius. They retreated exactly like they were supposed to and went on a scorched earth planning exactly like I was supposed to. None of that was planned. Absolutely fucking none of it. What was planned, if you remember, was the Russians were going to invade the Duchy of Warsaw. So all of their supply depots, all their forward positions, they were all meant for an offensive. Nobody had any defensive plans. None. Mm. Nothing had been prepared. Not even a command structure or overall strategy. Like It wasn't like, okay, this is central command. It was, okay, he's a noble, he's a noble. He's kind of the commander put in place by the Tsar. They're all in charge. They'll figure it out. There was no central commander quite yet. Oh, okay. The Tsar had no idea what to do. The Russian forces were scattered and organized defense would be hard, if not impossible, to plan. The czar, so the Tsar was in a town called Vilna, which was pretty close to the border. So when he saw French troops on the horizon, he just jumped on a horse and ran. Oh,
1: he saw that?
0: Yeah. Uh, which everybody, now remember the Tsar is hypothetically the commander in chief, kind of like the president. Right. Uh, So everybody's like, oh, fuck, the czar's running. That means we have to run, too. So that caused like a panicked, unorganized flood of staff officers to run as fast as they could to keep up with him.
1: He just yelled,
0: scatter! Yeah, and that is uh, when the the scorched earth tactics kind of came into play.
1: I doubt it came into play. I bet you somebody knocked over a lantern. They're like, oh, fuck! So it was not a Russian plan.
0: Uh, It was technically... A German plan. It was uh, the, the Russian General Barclay Dutali, who was a German man in, in, in the Russian army. It was his idea and his idea alone that when he finally organized his soldiers together in Vilna, so we should burn it down.
1: He accidentally knocked over the lantern, <laughs> but made it his fucking decision like, oh, I did that on purpose. Nailed it. He,
0: he was taking a dump and accidentally kicked over a lantern. Like, oh, fuck, fuck, yeah, shit. In the port of John. <laughs> the Tsar's going to be so mad at me. But yeah, on his way out, he's like we should make sure they have nothing and they set the they set the city on fire. Um so they burned Vilna to the ground mostly totally like there's some buildings still standing but like for as fast as they acted. It,
1: it was It'd ar- be the most useless building too.
0: And Barclay so Barclay Detali is He's kind of a not a great historical figure, um, especially in Russian history. And we'll talk about that a little bit. But the entire keep withdrawing, keep withdrawing, keep withdrawing plan, that was his and his alone. Um, He did not want to engage with the French army because he knew he would lose. (laughs) Mm. Now, um, this made Napoleon kind of mad, as you would imagine, the Russians had not engaged him, which is what he wanted. His entire point was to make the Russian army stand and fight him, beat them, and then be like, okay, time for peace. But couldn't lock him into battle. Uh, Barclay had them pulled back. Um, instead, he he found himself literally in the middle of a burning city with no food. <laughs> that fucking blows. Um, the Russian tactics confused him. Like This didn't make a whole lot of sense to Napoleon. Why would someone flee from battle and scorch all their own supplies? He assumed instead of a giant fuck you, which it was, it was a trap. That, uh, like, this was a screening effort to distract them.
1: Insert and, Admiral Akbar.
0: Yeah, so, like, he thought that the Russians were waiting in ambush for him on the outskirts of Vilna for him to advance right into, which they absolutely were not. Uh, so instead of pushing this and there's a good chance if he would have just advanced right past the city he would have caught Barclay but instead he's like hmm this must be a trap so he ordered his generals to advance with caution now if you remember a slow cautious advance was absolutely something that the French did not have time for whoops so like Barclay's like last desperate attempt to like salvage the battle uh, uh kind of ended up winning in two different ways uh now this actually had a a weird positive downside this finally allowed the french army to rest uh they had been marching wi- for without like any real rest for weeks uh the soldiers bedded down like wherever they could like they a lot of them just like put their muskets down and lay down in the dirt without setting up a tent without doing anything they didn't have any food to cook so that problem solved for them
1: um, Sweet. That's just extra yeah. steps you don't need.
0: Yeah. Uh, and that is when a biblical storm appeared out of nowhere. <laughs>
1: biblical storm?
0: <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like the storm of the century. <laughs> Did they fucking build an ark? So it was a torrent of freezing rain and lightning. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, which is weird because they had just been in the middle of a crazy heat wave. So this meant soldiers had, like, stripped to, like, try to cool down. Uh, Now, cut... Had now found themselves in, like, frozen puddles of water. And the Russian roads, which were already pretty perilous, like, just dissolved into muddy morasses of bullshit they couldn't use. And also, people were getting struck by lightning.
1: (laughs) I could eat the lightning?
0: (laughs) Please take me, Thor. Just fucking smite me. I'm sick of this shit. Uh, So, thousands
1: of men and horses died. uh, Mostly artillery units. Also... Funny thing that probably might happen here in a bit. My dinner's on the way. (laughs) So you might hear a giant bangs on the door. It's good. It's fine.
0: Uh we're not running. It's all good. It buffs out. So these artillery units which suffered the worst, lost up to twenty-five percent of their horses in only a few hours. Uh, And the cavalry suffered pretty bad as well. Now, accounts of men who survived this weird storm from hell. I think they just stuck their sabers in the air and said, smite me. (laughs) That was my time to shine. Um, Now, the the men who walked away from this tell of, like, a strange psychological trauma that inflicted a lot of them because they were forced to march through a completely muddy, destroyed landscape covered with tens of thousands of dead and dying horses. (laughs) That
1: sucks. (laughs) Wonder what it smell like. Not good. You're in Russia. That already smells bad. I assume. Uh,
0: Russia in 1812 was probably not a picnic. Now it's just like full of dead horses and French people. Like I'm starting to think Napoleon personally affronted God in some way.
1: Oh no! That should be a movie. Napoleon versus God. He already fought dinosaurs once. Napoleon. Oh yeah, he did. Napoleon versus the Titans. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, um, Napoleon took this moment to try to rein his troops in, who were desperately looting everything they came across in a search for food. Now, he did this the only way Napoleon knew how, and that was sending out the MPs to shoot everybody they caught looting. Uh, Now, hilariously, this did nothing to stem the looting as people went to the firing squad laughing and joking because they're just happy to finally get it over with that they were going to (laughs) die.
1: It's a (laughs) win-win.
0: Like, people were, like, laughing. He's like, oh, I guess I'll die now rather than later. Who fucking cares? What's the difference of a day?
1: Oh, and they so turned into a game. What a bunch of soldiers.
0: And then, like, another 50,000 soldiers just abandoned the army and turned into a roving gang of bandits, which... What? That's if awesome. Thinking, if you're thinking that, Joe, you've already talked about this. Yes, I did. This just happened that often.
1: <laughs> it happened all the time. That's awesome. What would your gang be? What would their name be?
0: Uh, Thundercats already taken. Uh, Pit Vipers. I, I feel like I could be a greaser with that one. That's a good name. It's not a bad name. Um, now, if you're thinking like, wow, fifty thousand people just suddenly turning into like gang doing some hood rat shit, like make probably makes like all this area that they're conquering pretty awful. And you'd be right. Wherever Napoleon's army went, they turned the entire area into a lawless dystopia full of Napoleon's own like men looting and killing Napoleon's own men because there wasn't really much else left. Like, you know, I told you before that Napoleon is pretty much running the entire country via mail that he brought with him, like through a mail, like a secure mail system that also got robbed by his, by his <laughs> own. Men. The, the, the mail was full of like his official imperial orders, how to run France. And like some dude named Jeff is like, fuck, this isn't beef jerky and just thrown in the ditch.
1: Ooh, we got fire. <laughs>
0: Uh, And like also like his officials like his own officers and even like members of the imperial elite were getting robbed at gunpoint by their
1: by their own men,
0: which honestly I support. I wish more soldiers would rob their officers at gunpoint.
1: Um, I imagine these soldiers automatically had slick back hair, real greaser style.
0: They have a pack of cigarettes under under their sleeve.
1: Yeah, they look great.
0: And they're not just weird rockabilly dudes. Yeah, uh, so in another case of bumblefuckery, Napoleon launched a plan to trap some Russian units and force them into fight. But his brother Jerome, who had a chief of staff put in place of the army by Napoleon to run it for him because he realized his brother was kind of a fucking idiot, um, refused to follow the orders of the chief of staff. So, so like the chief of staff would be like, uh, Prince Jerome, the emperor wants us to do this. I'm going to pass. He's like, no, we go nowhere. Uh, so he totally ruined the plan. Like Napoleon is like, ah, they'll be at this point at this time, but the army hadn't fucking moved. And so while uh, Jerome is throwing a shitty fit, he said, well, if I can't command my army, I'm going home. So he took his Royal guard and just went back to France without telling anybody. Oh,
1: that's fucking awesome.
0: <laughs> Which honestly, probably better. Uh, meanwhile, the Russians uh, had their own plans afoot. The czar finally made Barclay the official commander of the army. Uh, now this is a title that was supposed to be important but was largely ignored uh, because Barclay was attempting to um, uh, organize everything but without like really the official capacity to do so but now the Tsar is like you're officially the commander so he tried to do it anyway like, he's like alright well fuck it the czar said I'm in command now so you, know, you all have to listen to me um, now this is considered a pretty big personal insult to a lot of Russian nobles who were also commanders um, because he, uh, he remember he's not Russian but also, he's not a noble. He's just he's just a German general who they kind of bought. So uh, Barclay is having problems telling all these nobles, like, no, 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 I'm in charge. I have to be in charge. Now, Barclay would eventually become a noble, but he wasn't at the time. But uh, he's telling all these nobles, like, hey, the czar made me in charge. You have to listen to me. But the nobles are like, no, fuck you. You're not even Russian. I'm not listening to you.
1: It's like when my older brother tried to be in charge of us whenever he was babysitting us.
0: It's like when a specialist promotable is like, I'm in charge of all the other specialists and all the other specialists like go fuck yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Like, so uh, Barclays finally went to the czar and was like, dude, these guys aren't listening to me. Can you just order them to listen to me? And he wouldn't. (laughs) I don't know.
1: (laughs) I like the drama.
0: So this effectively created two completely parallel command structures within the Russian army. You had Barclay and his field army and a couple nobles that listened to him and the second army under Peter Bagration, who was a Russian prince. Um, and he commanded a lot of respect, mostly because of that fact, not because of his qualities as a, of a commander. Um, now, soon the fact that remember how we talked about many Russian officers to include their commander were German or French or gave orders in German or French this would become a problem. Uh, famed military strategist Klausowitz was actually um, arrested for being a spy because he carried orders in French and spoke no Russian. Uh, so when, people, when uh, Russian commoners stopped him, he couldn't speak Russian and they didn't speak French, so he just got arrested. And then Cossacks, uh, who were uh, kind of hard to explain, it. we'll just call them Russian cavalry, uh, were uh, attacked and killed their own officers in the heat of a skirmish because they heard them shout orders in French what like oh god he's wearing a, a russian uniform but he's french they're behind us yeah they're, they're everywhere uh now the main problem facing alex was well him it was alex alex was the problem he had been when, with the army when it retreated without a fight from the third largest city in the entire empire and gave up an incredibly large tract of land to the enemy without much of a fight as long as he's with the army any failings of the army would look like the direct failings of the Tsar himself, even if he wasn't actually in charge of them. It quickly became apparent that he needed to get the fuck away from the army. And the Russian generals were kind of glad to see the Tsar finally leave when he was around, uh, because when he was around, the generals had a hard time doing their jobs. While, the, while he was never really in charge, the generals would back the ideas of the Tsar, even if they were really bad, just to protect themselves or maybe heighten their status. Uh, leading to pretty dumb outcomes like the retreat. With him gone, they could actually try to function about as well as the Russian army would function through the war, which wasn't great. Uh, It was the opposite for the French. Napoleon got bogged down in fucking statecraft for two goddamn weeks in Vilna. Now remember, the whole war was only supposed to go three. Uh, He got bogged down in Vilna, passing orders back to France, trying to uh, do um, state-related stuff for the Grand Duchy. It's all dumb. He shouldn't have been doing it. Right. Instead, I mean, he did do something that an, I assume an emperor would do, which is delegate authority to his marshals to run the war, which immediately led to Bagration's army escaping and start marching to rejoin with Barclays, the exact thing Napoleon did not want to happen. So, yep, whoops, Napoleon can't delegate authority
1: because they won't work. This guy's making stellar decisions.
0: So when Marshal Joachim Murad and his famed cavalry gave chase, Murat unfortunately, was kind of insane. Uh, so... Murat is one of my favorite uh, characters in all of Napoleonic Marshals simply because the dude had no business being in charge of anything. He was oh, he's oh. insane. He's kind of nuts. Yeah, I mean, he's he was. And this is the way that the book Moscow 1812 puts it, quote, the master of the suicidal cavalry charge. He was pretty much only promoted because he was brave. He the only military tactic he knew was a frontal assault on horseback. Oh, he also dressed kind of uh, bizarrely, uh, like overdressed um, and brought dozens of changes of clothes with him wherever he went and would change whenever he got bored. He also <laughs> were walk- multiple different fur jackets and scarves, diamonds and pearls.
1: Oh, oh this guy uh, had swag.
0: And he also brought a fuckload of cologne with him. That's fucking awesome. So he probably looked a whole lot like uh, 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 a mall kiosk guy and smelled like one, too. Uh, like, he was just bling the fuck out, wearing furs, getting his suicidal charge on.
1: But looking He's good doing it. Definitely
0: my favorite marshal, but probably shouldn't have been a marshal. He was... And, and, like, the book notes that people commented that, like, he was kind of mentally unwell. So, like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Follow my dragon? <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> like, he was promoted... Because he was kind of dumb like he would routine like he never stopped charging when he was ordered to and it wasn't for his tactical brilliance on on, as a cavalry leader that he was promoted to be the leader of the cavalry which will become a problem because during the chase to prevent those two armies from waking up his army rode so hard and so fast on horseback that they rode their horses to death Hmm. which was something that was super common for him to do. Like, he routinely rode horses to death. It wasn't even a thing for him.
1: Wow. he's The
0: sixth one this week. Yeah, and like, it, it, remember, the horses are already weak and kind of poisoned. So, like, they when the chase was over, they were so tired and weak that they kind of, the, the, the cavalry guys had to walk the horses back to the line because they couldn't carry them anymore. Jesus. Now, uh, Murat finally got to the Russians and forced them to engage him outside the town of Astrono. Now, the French beat the Russians back, only to discover that the town had been burnt to the ground and with nothing left inside. This was not the battle the French were looking for. It was small and mostly pointless, but that would soon change. Napoleon had had, had finally cornered Barclay's army, a full 80,000 men, and quickly maneuvered his men into place to attack. This is it. This is the day everybody was waiting for. This is Barclay versus Napoleon, fucking heavyweight title on the line. Pay per view. Eighty thousand men squaring up. So they dressed to the fucking tens, man. They got uh, everybody put their dress uniform on um, because, like, they they treat it like a holiday, like they were going on parade. Everybody got ready to go because the the French Empire is the only society more mentally broken than our own. Like, combat was considered, like, a glorious occasion we need to dress up. Uh, They polished their brass, they put on their fancy hats, and marched into battle the next morning. And when Napoleon woke up to command this battle in person, he found Barclay's entire army had fucking vanished. What? They had retreated in the middle of the night because they didn't want to fight him. (laughs) oh he must have been pissed everybody was furious Uh, Barclay actually did something kind of ingenious even the soldiers
1: (laughs) I just want to die
0: (laughs) please somebody shoot me Uh, now like Barclay done something kind of ingenious which was leave a small group of men behind to keep stoking campfires through the night to make it look like 80,000 men were still camped out which is a lot of fucking fires man
1: yeah I'd be pissed just put extra duty on it
0: (laughs) So, Napoleon's army, defeated by pretty much their own, I don't know, their own moral, uh, their own morale and hats, I guess, marched on. The few roads that they found uh, were quickly turned into nothing but single-track lanes and Polish bogs and marches. You
1: know, we'd uh, be on that detail every time.
0: Yes. Uh, YouTube start you, fires. Go light the fires. God damn it. <laughs> so, the, at this point, the, the Napoleonic armies were largely marching. Um, on what you consider a normal road for the time. It's not great, but it's a road. And that's when the army found its way into bogs and marshes, uh, swamps. And they were introduced to a new level of hell for the men. Swarms of mosquitoes, horseflies, and wasps.
1: Are they wearing Russian uniforms?
0: Uh, They are not.
1: That'd be awesome if they were.
0: Uh, The horseflies definitely said something anti-French, though. Uh, Now, like... At this point, Napoleon definitely pissed off God. Like, you already got the torrents of water, you got lightning, you got fucking fields of dead horses. Now you have like a pestilence being brought to you. Did I mention the heat wave yet? Because there was a a horrible, horrible heat wave. Uh, So it was so hot that many of Napoleon's men who had fought with him in Egypt said this is the hottest uh, they've ever been on the march. Jeez, can't catch break. It was July and it was hot as hell. And these soldiers were weighed down by layers of wool, breastplates, and whatever else. Uh, now, one thing I guess one thing they weren't weighed down with was supplies. So they had that going with for them. So you were lighter. Now, one thing they didn't have to worry about was those uncomfortable square toed shoes I talked to you about. Yeah. Because they had disintegrated right off their feet from marching.
1: So, like, because of marching or bad quality?
0: Both, I'm assuming. Okay. They were marching up to 30 kilometers a day or 18 mm.
1: miles in freedom units.
0: Fuck. Most of the time, the men set up uh, camp and fell asleep without eating dinner. Every day, more soldiers just did not wake up or get up from camp because they died from hunger or exhaustion in the middle of the night. The ones who didn't began to die of thirst and some of them drank uh, water from the swamps, which also killed them.
1: <laughs> this is like when you play Oregon Trail.
0: yeah. This is Oregon Trail, but like you have to control 200,000 people all at once. So contaminated water would be something of a hallmark for this army. It caused dysentery to sweep through the ranks and start killing entire companies of men all at once. Now, people who are not familiar with dysentery, it dehydrates you further by making you vomit and shit yourself. So many men were dying. They would drop dead where they were marching, which would in this case normally make them tumble off the road and fall into a local body of water, contaminating that one, too. The ones that Mm, flavored water. Which would that men would then attempt to drink that water, because it's the only water available, causing them to get sick, die, and contaminate the next version, uh next portion of water they'd come across. The ones that didn't die would deal with the horrible bouts of diarrhea that would spread disease and contaminate even more water supplies. The road soon became littered with the bodies of the dead and dying, and I'm
1: assuming soiled pants. I'm assuming yeah, shit roads.
0: Shit road, we've had a corpse road in this uh, this, uh, podcast, we've had a horse road in the beginning of this series, and now we have
1: shit road. Not roadhouse.
0: (laughs) Definitely, that's a very depressing (laughs) roadhouse. Yeah. So as for Napoleon, he knew all of this was happening, because at this point it'd be pretty hard for him to hide all the corpses from him. Uh, but
1: he had no idea what to do about it. They're just doing weekend at Bernie's with all the corpses.
0: (laughs) The men had created an impossible situation and made tens of thousands of men walk and shit themselves to death at a loss of what to do. He publicly chewed the ass of the head of the medical corps and the commissariat loud enough. So his troops could hear it tricking them into thinking that literally anyone other than Napoleon was at fault for what was happening to them.
1: Do you think he put a mirror up and also yelled at himself in front of everybody?
0: Oh, no, Napoleon's never at fault for Napoleon. It's everybody else's fault.
1: But Napoleon would be yelling at that guy in the mirror
0: because he's, Napoleon he,
1: wouldn't even know.
0: He's bizarro Napoleon. He has a mustache. Uh, meanwhile, the Russian army pulled all the way back to the city of Smolensk, uh, where the first and second armies joined up. And Bigration finally allowed hit the guy who was supposed to be in charge of him, Barclay, to take command of the entire Russian army, at least for now. Together, they planned to make a heroic last stand in the city of Smolensk. While some generals wanted to go on the attack, Klauswitz, who is now unarrested because everybody realized he worked for Russia, rightfully pointed out <laughs> that the French army would probably still win a pitched battle and they shouldn't do it. But they were weakening by the day. And if they were going to fight in the city, they should force the French to besiege it and prolong their stay in the city. Wow. It would have been an even better idea to pack up and leave the city, continuing the retreat, which is exactly what Barclay wanted to do. Uh, But he was getting screamed at by literally everybody above him and below him to stop retreating and put up a fight. So on August 7th, he gave the people what they wanted and ordered an attack on Marshal Ney's force near Rudinia. As they did so, Barclay got some bad intel that the French had actually occupied the area to the north of his area of attack. So he said, oh, fuck, and immediately ordered his army to wheel around and march in that direction to meet them. The problem was there were no French soldiers to the north. And he quickly learned that. So he ordered his army to wheel around again and attack Rudinia per the original plan. As you can imagine, this caused everybody in the Russian army to become deeply confused as to what the fuck was going on. Migration, who was in command of his army helping barclay on the attack said fuck it and just marched his city um uh, marched his army back to the city of smolensk in a blatant act of insubordination and barclay's like peter where are you going fuck you i'm going home this shit sucks and he just went back to the city napoleon's now there's actually a a a fun bit of trivia that will come from this but Napoleon seeing the Russians out of the city and on the move ordered his forces to move in and encircle the city as he thought it would be empty. And then he could just kind of walk in. He actually would By have himself. been to just Napoleon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he actually would have been completely right. If migration hadn't taken his ball and gone home, the city would have been left completely undefended and been be able to walk right into without a fight. So, uh, yep. Way to not listen to your commander guy. You did a really good job. So, uh, As the French marched, they ran smack dab into the confused Russians who were marching in so many different directions, they got lost, uh, leading to many different confused and unorganized skirmishes and Russian soldiers shooting at one another. What?
1: (laughs) Whoops. The old razzle dazzle.
0: (laughs) Spirit fingers, but with an entire army group. (laughs) Meanwhile, a cavalry force led by who else but Murat, uh, that was supposed to race around and finish the encirclement, ran into Bagration's troops who had gone home. He ran into uh, elements of Bigration's army that had retreated without orders, which was the 27th Division. Now, the 27th Division was made up of raw recruits who had pretty much never even had training.
1: So, they're, like, they're, they're naked?
0: Uh, they're wearing probably, like, some fucking homespun rugs on their backs. Uh, they're peasants with virtually no training. They faced on 30 different cavalry charges by Murat's men while slowly withdrawing, uh, buying time for Barclay's men who had become lost to pull back towards the city and meet up with Bagration. But this one division held up a uh, French marshal who was supposed to be the cavalry guy, uh, all without training and without really any leadership because their officer had already went back to the city itself. Y'all got this, right? I'll see you in the city. Bye. (laughs) I'm kind of tired. (laughs) Uh, and then when Murat finally did force them back to the city, they ran into uh, Bagration's men who had been held up in the suburbs outside of it. So, yeah, he, him telling Barclay to go fuck himself really did save the city there. And, I mean, in, in reality, it probably also saved Barclay's army as well, because if they had taken the city, Barclay's army had nowhere to go. Right. Whoops. So Smolensk was a city of no tactical importance whatsoever. Napoleon had no real reason to want to besiege it or capture it other than he wanted to crush the army that was within it. He also believed that the Russians would be forced to come out and and defend their city like in the field rather than like force them into a siege under the really dumb belief that Smolensk was holy to them as it housed a renowned miraculous icon of the Virgin Mary. Now, the the, the Russians thought of the same thing that I thought of when I read this, which is why don't they just take it out and move it? Which is the first thing they did. <laughs> they just moved it out of the city. <laughs> uh, so this ended up being completely wrong. Because um, uh, remember, Barclay's plan was to abandon the city. So he's like, well, we're going to take the Virgin Mary icon with us. Uh, yep. Checkmate Napoleon. Now That's now, awesome. Almost, as, almost immediately, Napoleon discovered that, nope, the Russians were just fine holding strong behind the walls of the city. And that began the Battle of Smolensk and where we will pick up next week.
1: Nice. I'll, I'll still be here.
0: <laughs> hey, on the bright side, um, you're not dead. True. You got that going for you, which, I mean, some people don't have. I'm not a good optimist. Um, at least you're not in the French army right now.
1: Very true.
0: So that is the French invasion of Russia, part three um if you like what we do here you can donate to us on patreon you can get bonus episodes you can get books you get access to our discard D- discard discord uh you can get access to all sorts of stuff if you donate at a heightened level you get even more bonus content like stickers and the aforementioned books and more bonus episodes Ooh, god uh also you can uh give Nick Boo. Actually, you can't give Nick Boo's uh, because I can't give him
1: anything. Uh, I'm not a, not allowed in that room. I'm drinking Jameson out of the bottle right now.
0: I mean, that should probably kill the coronavirus.
1: Eh, my commander got it for me, so that's pretty cool.
0: So, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to part three. Thank you, Nick, for joining me from your undisclosed location. <laughs>
1: yep, Jesse Ventura is here.
0: And until next time, uh, don't drink corpse water. So don't don't that, I mean, if we're going to teach you anything, don't drink corpse water, kids. And we'll see you next week. Later.